Welcome to the Five Heart Podcast. This is John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com. Greg Mahatchko is not with us again this week. What we have this week is volleyball, the volleyball special, because, well, volleyball is the one sport that could possibly save Nebraska sports for, you know, like the whole year. I, I think it's been like eight or nine years since we've actually seen or played volleyball. But uh, joining us is Ty, Ty <laughs> Pederanitz. That's even worse. Oh, my yeah, God. I tried this before we started. We're just – Greg never edits anything. So say your name for the record, sir. Ty Pederanitz. And you do what? Um, I, I – well, I'm, I'm back, as it were, uh, doing uh, – writing for volleyball, covering volleyball for Corn Nation. And in real life, I'm a fourth-grade teacher and volleyball coach. Also joining us is Beth Merrigan. And Beth, you do what? Well, I also write uh, volleyball for coordination and then I raise some children. But you have an extensive background in volleyball. Yeah, I played volleyball. I, um, I grew up playing volleyball in Michigan. There was a special little southwest corner of Michigan that was a hotbed of volleyball growing up. And um, then I went on to West Point Army and played there too. So you played at the collegiate level. It's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Army's in the Patriot League. They're a D1 school and they send a team to the tournament every year, usually out in the first round. But American gets past the first round every once in a while. Americans played in, in Lincoln a couple of times in the last, uh, mm -hmm. last half decade or so. Mm -hmm. So let's start this with. Uh, my admittance that I know really next to nothing about volleyball. You know what? I could hold my own in volleyball if I was like uh, talking to a plumber. <laughs> I could, I'd be okay. You know, I know how to how many points and uh, the difference between a set and a match. But other than that, I'm going to start with this: the 2021 preseason poll for the Big Ten. Nebraska is in third place behind Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then it goes Nebraska, Penn State, Purdue, Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin, I believe, is number one in the nation, right? Yes, Wisconsin is number one in the nation. Why is Nebraska number three in the Big Ten preseason? Are, are we better? I mean, what makes Wisconsin number one and us number three in the Big Ten and go? I, I mean, from my perspective, it's got a lot to do with um, you know, last season, which, as you mentioned, does feel like it was eons ago. Um, I had one fewer kid back then. Um, I, I, I really have no other means by which to measure how long it's been. Um, but I believe Nebraska finished either third or fourth in the Big Ten. I cannot quite remember that far back. But I mean, Wisconsin was was one of the top teams in the country. Um, Minnesota they, they lost the national title game. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota had our number that year. Um, I, I don't, I don't have in front of me and don't have, uh, off the top of my head. I know Wisconsin hasn't lost a lot, but they have lost more than we have. Uh, I mean, the only player of, of significance for Nebraska who played, I should, I, let me rephrase that. The only player who, who played significant points for Nebraska in the, the 2019 season who is gone is Megan Miller, uh, who played, uh, the, the back row for the setters opposite. Um, so why are we third? I think it's, it's very much looking at where we finish and, and who's back. Um, 
I am of the opinion that we should probably be higher ranked both nationally and within the conference than we are. And, and you know, I think a lot of, of coordination readers and listeners who, who followed me, I, I am generally, I, a lot of times in the past, I thought we were overranked. I thought that we were, that people thought more of Nebraska than we probably deserve. This year, I think we are undervalued in both rankings. I think Nebraska is better than number five nationally and better than number three in the conference. I, I don't, I don't know that Nebraska, that Wisconsin should be unanimous number one, and I don't think it's behind Minnesota. And I, yeah, I think Wisconsin is number one. They've got a lot of returning players, but the number one returning player is Dana Retke. She's a six-eight medal. She's played extensively with the Olympic team, and I mean, she's the number one reason they're ranked number one. They've also got a really talented setter. She's an All-American. They've got both returning outside hitters plus a really talented new freshman. You know, so they've got a lot of returning pieces, just as many as Nebraska, but they have Dana Retke, and she is the best player in the country. And Lauren's difference is amazing, but Dana Retke has played with the national team, and she's played with them a lot, and she's playing. She's not just on the national team. She is a good player on the national team. So, you know, that's why Wisconsin's number one nationally. I think that's why the coaches are voting that way. Um, but then if you go down a notch and you look at, you know, Minnesota is number seven nationally, but then they're number two in the big 10. Nebraska is five nationally and three in the big 10. So that's where we start to really need to, why, why did that happen? Okay. Maybe uh, Minnesota had our number last year, but you know, this year they have a lot of returning players, but they also have a, a hole in the setter. They have a transfer setter. Setter is a, you know, the quarterback of the volleyball court. Um, and so without a stable setter, I think, you know, Minnesota looked okay in their opening weekend, but I don't think they should have been ranked above Nebraska in the big 10. I that, that's where my, you know, beef is with haha, Nebraska beef. Um, that's where my beef is with the big 10. And I think they got it right nationally. Minnesota probably is the around the number seven team in the nation why the other teams from, you know, the SEC or, you know, our favorite Texas, um, why they are right. You know, they played in the traditional season and they had good seasons and they beat the people in their conference. They looked pretty good, but they didn't play any big 10 teams. They didn't play any PAC 12 teams. So that leaves us all pretty unproven. And so, you know, everybody's taking their best guess at where those, off teams, the Kentuckys, Texas isn't an off team. They're a pretty habitual powerhouse, but yeah, there's some off stuff that we can certainly debate and have a good argument. So, well, so I, what you're saying though, what you're saying though, is the big 10 has it against Nebraska. Yes, because we need to perpetually play the victim card. We played it in the big 12. Let's continue doing it in the big 10. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it, you look at the the national rankings versus the the conference rankings, and and of course, you know, there's always that. This is preseason. I mean, it's just like, you know, ESPN's way too early top twenty five for college football next year. Nobody has any idea. I mean, LSU was a top flight team at the beginning of the season, and and you know, won approximately as many games as, as Nebraska did, I think, in, in the college football season. It was preseason, so it it means about as much as the ink that it's written on. So there's that aspect of it. Um, you know, I somewhat, you know, you could make a strong argument that, well, the Big Ten knows each other well because they play each other. We know the coaches, they know the kids. But, you know, Beth makes a really strong point that Wisconsin or that Minnesota is replacing their setter. That connection between setter and middle, look at the difference between 
Nicklin and Lauren and Nicklin and, and particularly Callie, because we have a bigger, you know, we've got a larger kind of data set to look at with, with the connection between Nicklin and Callie versus Nicklin and Lauren. The connection with the setter and the hitters is really crucial. And if that's not there, it's, it could take Minnesota a while to find their group. So there's, there's no not, or there's no non-conference games at all in volleyball, correct? Correct. The, the entire nation is playing conference only volleyball, right? Right. Correct. Right. Now, some of these, some of these conferences, didn't they play vol fall volleyball? Like the SEC that doesn't care the about ACC, anything. ACC, the SEC, and um, the Big Twelve played a, a, a short fall season and are playing. Okay. They're playing a, a short spring season as well, um, I believe. Now that I say that, I haven't looked for sure, but uh, yeah, a lot of their schedules aren't even published yet. So if they are going to start playing closer to the championship timeframe in April, they don't have them published yet. Like Texas doesn't have a schedule up on their on their website. Um, Last time I checked Kentucky's, they didn't either. So they played. Those teams were successful. I mean, Texas was successful. Baylor was successful. Kentucky. Um, Florida, I think, lost to Kentucky. So some of those big-time programs that are always in right. the tournament, they proved something in the fall, but those conferences are not deep with volleyball. Those are really the teams that are pretty good. Duke is okay sometimes. Um yeah. Kansas can be good. Kansas State can be good. Pitt's had a couple of good seasons. Iowa State will have a good season here and there. Um, yeah. The, the two best conferences, I, I think most people will tell you in the country, did not play the fall season. Uh, and the Big Ten is almost without, with beyond, beyond argument, the best volleyball conference in the country. Um, and the Pac-12 just, I mean, that's where volleyball was big for so long was, was the West Coast, the California schools in particular. But now, you know, you've had Washington who's been good for a long time. Oregon, who's, who's you know, newer, but is kind of an established powerhouse now. UCLA and USC pop up all the, you know, every so often. So, you know, essentially half of the Pac-12, you're talking about top 25 teams. But you're talking the same thing for the Big Ten. So there's 13 out of the top 25 in two conferences. Then you, you know, you let the rest fall to those other three conferences plus independence or, you know, like a BYU, the West coast conference, you know, those other places, you know, those, what is essentially seven, seven ish other conferences in D one. So. And so here's so, where those rankings are going to start to matter. Then, you know, the right. tournament is going to be smaller this year. They're going to have um, 48 teams. Yeah. I think it's 48. And that's going to mean that these seeds, these, um, you know, they're not seeds yet, but they're going to be seeds. Like, why would Kentucky move? Why would Texas move out of that? Hawaii's in the top 25 right now. They're not playing. So because the tournament's smaller and because there's less comparable data between these teams, I think, you know, they don't matter. The rankings never matter. It only matters as much as it gets in the player's head before the match starts or, for you and or me, John Johnston. Yes. Yeah, we've the, right. what it, the point is that it matters to people that are ignorant. You know what I mean? I am. I'm, I can admit it. I can say it right out loud. I'm ignorant of volleyball, but if I happen to flip over to like BTN and I go, oh, number one is playing number four. Okay. Maybe I'm not that bad, but you know what I mean? That's the thing. That's why you have rankings. It's because some guy somewhere I might go, oh, Texas is playing, I, I don't know. Penn State in a regular season, obviously, 
they're two of the best volleyball teams. Look at the rankings. Maybe I'll watch this because the only thing else is on is the the mass plumber or something, you know, because <laughs> we're sticking with plumbers theme. That's got that's got to be the next thing Fox is doing is the masked plumber. <laughs> I I could make some jokes. So let's we'll move on. But let's continue to talk about. Okay, you forty eight teams are going to be in the NCAA tournament. Do we know it's going to be in Omaha, right? They have not confirmed that yet. So that was the last place it was supposed to be. And Omaha still says, but no, that's not been confirmed. And so then there's still going to be 32 automatic qualifier teams, right, from all the conferences. And so what that means is there's very few at-large bids. There's very few teams. The Big Ten can get six, seven, eight teams in the tournament. They're not going to get that many in this year because there's just not as many spots. So how does, you know, Purdue even prove they're good enough to get into the tournament and to show they should get in there? So this year, I think that the rankings mean more than they normally do because the selection committee is going to have so much less to go on. So fewer ways to prove that this team's better than that team. So being in the top 25 gives you permission to be in the tournament and the selection committee a ticket to give you. Who is, who is the selection committee? Are these hedge fund managers? America wants to know. It's not uh, they're, me. They're Redditors <laughs> who have been on Robin Hood lately. Um, <laughs> I actually, you know, I've never looked into who makes up the NCAA selection for, for volleyball. I'm sure it's as easy to find as, you know, the, the basketball selection committee or, or maybe not as easy to find as the college football playoff committee, but you know, I've, I've honestly have never looked into that. Um, let's use our Google machine and find out. <laughs> Beth, who would you guess it is? Former players? Old coaches? Um, maybe maybe like presidents of universities? I don't know. 80% old white men? Probably. Probably. Okay, well, he's looking that up. I mean, you, basically, you have conference only. You're going to uh, – there's no RPI in, in volleyball. Uh, the rankings in the past have determined the NCAA heavily, mostly because, no, they play a lot of games in volleyball, and they play – you know, the tough teams tend to not shy away from each other as much as they might in other sports uh, like football. Uh, so just you know, by the way, just in you know, other news, the NCAA website does have Omaha as hosting the final four at least. Okay. So we know that we know the final four is coming. There are rumors out there that they're going to do something with volleyball, similar to what they're doing with basketball and hold the entire tournament in the state, uh, of Nebraska. There's no, there's no confirmation of that any place, but that is a rumor that is out there. I think that'd be, that'd be, they, it, they should do that every year. Should come to Scott's Bluff. <laughs> Scott's Bluff, really. Scott's Bluff. You know, I live. It'd here. be like it'd be like I the know, Burning Man Festival. <laughs> it'd be like the Burning Man Festival of volleyball. Okay, so <laughs> we might be able to have an entire NCAA volleyball tournament in Omaha, which is kind of cool. At least I think it is. Uh, I mean, Omaha would love to have it. They missed a lot of event the, the last year because you know COVID yeah. hit. Um, okay. I, I, I can't ahead. easily find who's on the committee, so I'm not going to waste too much more time doing it. Okay, we're going with 80% old white men. 
sounds completely Probably based in reality to me, like most of the things that you say. Carry on. Okay. So we're looking at a, a weird volleyball season. It's going to be shorter than normal. We're not going to have any great games like Nebraska versus Texas, Nebraska versus Stanford. Uh, are we going to have a Devaney center full of people? Nope. Nope. I mean, this weekend is home and they're going to have um, family members there and some press, but no, it won't be fans. Uh, and that like with so many things, maybe a moving target, you know, the, the restrictions, Nebraska's restrictions are getting lowered significantly this weekend, but that's statewide. I think Lincoln's are still going to be stricter because I believe, uh, I believe Lincoln's at least the positivity percentage is still still higher in Lincoln than most of the rest of the state. So um, there, yeah, there's not, Devan, Devaney is not going to be Devaney. It's going to be very eerie to be there. I think. Beth, have you been to a game at Devaney? Yeah, I went to a bunch last season. I was at the Nebraska Stanford game last season. I drove over eight hours on a Wednesday. <laughs> Wonderful. No, it was an awesome game, and that was my first time in Devaney. I, no, no, I had gone to a tournament before that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, so for people who are listening to this may not be – have ever attended a game in Devaney – or it might not even be Nebraska volleyball fans. Uh, I'd have to say that it's, it's, I know that saying this, you know, there's a lot of egos. A lot of people go to sporting events for their ego and for the beer. Going to a volleyball game at Nebraska is kind of like the closest you're ever going to get to going to a cult that you didn't realize you joined because the, the crowd is so choreographed without any training, you know, they, every year they have their cheers, like, uh, Mikhail, Fecky, you got Fecky'd, was that yep. it? You got Fecky'd. And sunburned. You got, for you got sunburned. Yeah. Uh, there was G train for Gina Mancuso. They have one for sweet too. I just go sweet. Yep. But the entire crowd is doing this all the time. Uh, I shot a game, I think there last year, was it? No, it wasn't last year. We didn't do anything last year. My timeline's all messed up. We've been in this pandemic for like a decade. It feels uh, like it. But I, I shot this game and I was standing next to the court and the ball bounced off the court to me. And I took the ball and I rolled it back to a ball girl. And this other young woman tapped me on the shoulder. And she said, you did that wrong. And I said, what? And she goes, you didn't do that right. You hand me the ball. I hand it to other people, they all touch it, and then it goes to the ball girl. And I thought, oh, my God, this is a cult. And I quickly moved away from that section. <laughs> okay, yeah. Nebraska's, Nebraska's team, What's who's gone from last season? Megan Miller. Yeah. We, we didn't have a single senior on the team in 2019. Um, and we relied a lot on, you know, we had uh, Maddie Kubik at outside and Kenzie Knuckles at Bro, who were both, sorry, Libro, um, who were freshmen. Um, Megan Miller transferred to Northwestern. So we'll see her this weekend. Um, but Megan Miller transferred. But other than that, um, everybody is, is back. And with that, I mean, we've actually reloaded in a big way. Kayla Caffey in the middle is huge. Um, 
Uh, Riley Zoon is has made a huge impact already at the right side. Um, Beth, I'll let you go because I'm scared to pronounce the name of the the Hawaiian gal because uh, I I am very bad at pronouncing Hawaiian names. <laughs> yeah, there's a new freshman from Hawaii. She was originally signed to USC, but then she. Um, with the transfer coaches there. So Akana is her last name and she's playing defensive specialist. So she comes in um, when our, our second middle is in the back row. Well, no, who does she come she, in? She's playing for right side. She played for Riley, I believe. Or Riley or so, and she's really talented. She's got quick hands, which just means she can react to hard driven balls, really hard attacks and, she was impressive. You know, the first game, she was what I would have called maybe sporadic, just a little tight and balls were zinging off of her arms and not as um, playable. But in the second match against Indiana, she had some very good instinctual plays where you just could see her raw talent and her training too, you know, in Hawaii, you play a lot of volleyball and it's, um, Hawaii's crowds are probably as impressive as Nebraska's and their fans are as knowledgeable and you go there and it's, it's um, evident how much volleyball is loved in Hawaii. And so they produce a lot of really good players and she's one of them. So um, yeah, Megan Miller and um, our second setter, she's taken the season off just for personal reasons, but um, Drunick, Nicole yeah, Drunick. Yep. So she she came in to serve last year and she had a really good serve, but she didn't set beyond you know, just getting some reps in the game. So yeah, we are really the same team as we were last year with additions. Um, you know, you can't replicate anything from last year. You're gonna be a new team regardless if the same six players are out on the court, but we have the same pieces and then you add to it um, a Riley Zoon that's ready to play and a Callie Schwarzenbach who's, you know, increased her attack availability. She was up in the air a lot more against Indiana. Michaela Caffey, who's dynamic and a leader out on the court, you know, you can kind of feel her presence when she's out there. So lots, lots of improvements, even though we are a similar team from last year, I think, any coach would tell you we're different, even though we're the same. We're deeper. I mean, there's there, we've got more depth um, at a lot of positions. Um, you know, one thing that one of the, this freshman class in particular has got, you know, a couple of good local kids who, you know, Callan Meyer from Superior, uh, who, who almost, I won't say single-handedly because I, you know, there's some other stuff that's gone on at Superior this year with their coaching stuff, but, uh, you know, she powered that team to the state title, state championship match for all four years of her her career there. Uh, Ani Evans from Waverly, who that that program's been uh, very successful for a long time. Uh, so there's there's definitely been huge additions to to the lineup at for Nebraska. There's a lot more depth. I, we if Callie or or Lauren had gotten hurt uh, in '19. We didn't have anybody. There was no, I mean, Riley Zoon could play it. Zoon played, I think, all three front row positions now. Um, but it wasn't really her strength. And now we've got two two other middles who can play that position very well. Um, you know, uh, Ani Evans is going to do, is going to be more than capable to step in. You know, and what you saw a lot was uh, where we needed a bigger block on the right side, Cook would take, um, 
would take uh, Nick out and put in generally Riley, I think, but I can't remember exactly, but would put a taller block in there for Nicklin because Nicklin's not tall. Nicklin's 5'11". So she's not what you typically see on a, on a right side block where, where a team's best hitter is attacking against you. You generally have a big right side block. Jazz gives us a big block. Riley gives us a big block. But uh, I would take Nicklin out and put a bigger blocker in there and would have uh, Drew Nick play setter for that, for that rotation. Um, so we've still got the depth to be able to do that if that's a situation that we get into. Riley gives us that. Uh, Jazz gives us that. So we've got that opportunity as well still. And the thing that's different about this weekend because, or this year, because we're going to play the same team all weekend, we saw this a little bit against Indiana. I think just listening to coach cook talk and now watching him execute the lineup, I think he's going to use our depth to the, our advantage and say, he said, Indiana's floor was, was hard on the player's body. So that's why he switched the middles from night one to night two. So Kayla Caffey played night one, and then the next night, Callie Schwartzenbach played, Lauren played both nights, and everybody else played both nights. But coach told us that's why he switched the middles. But what he also did by doing that was he gave Indiana a whole different look. And on a more talented team, a Minnesota or Wisconsin, a Penn State, when we play them, having all these different tools, all these different assets on our team allows him to not disclose the lineup, not know who's going to come at their team the first night, and then be able to switch it up the next night. So it's not just like he can change the rotation and have a different um, number of rotation. He can have a whole different group out there and that changes their blocking dynamic on the other team. It changes their defensive schemes. And, you know, Callie's a different blocker that or a different attacker than Kayla. So I think, I think he's going to use that to his advantage. Um, different starting lineups from night one to night two against the same teams um, do what you were talking about and have blocking subs come in there. We saw the match point against Indiana. Um, Nicklin was matched up against their best hitter for Indiana and he took Nicklin out and he put Jazz Sweet in on that right side. So that's the only point Jazz played the whole weekend. Um, and she didn't end up blocking because they set the other direction, which probably is because of that blocking sub. Um, but that's a tool. He can do that anytime. And I bet you we'll see it again this weekend against Northwestern because they have two very good outside hitters. Nicklin's undersized when it comes to blocking. So we're going to see a blocking sub. And without a second setter on the team, he's probably going to use the libero as the setter in that matchup. He'll take Nicklin out, no setter on the court. The libero becomes the setter, which – you know, I think we're talented enough there that we can set pretty well and still run an in-system offense off of the libero's pass. So I think that's exciting. <laughs> oh, I do too. It's, it's fun to watch, uh, you know, kind of the evil genius is the wrong word. Mad scientist maybe is a little bit better way to put it. I mean, you think about this, you know, from my perspective as a coach, when you get that tool, you've got that kid who can do a lot of different things and you've got a lot of players who have strengths in different areas. Um, it's really, you know, you can really do a lot of things that help your team be successful. Yeah, the, 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 a different level of strategy that Coach Cook can use this year from night one to night two. It's not just a starting lineup. I think there's a, there's a whole different strategy a coach can use there to prepare for COVID, prepare, prepare for people to be out, but also to just switch it up. And I'm going to have, you know, like a hockey line or something, not quite yeah. to that extent, but I'm going to, 
lineup two is going out there because it's going to give them a whole different thing. And we see that happen between sets. Sometimes they come out after the second set, we're going into the third one and they've switched something up. They've subbed or they've switched to the, where we start in the rotation, but you know, night one, night two is a whole different dynamic this year, which I think I'm, I'm pretty excited to watch coach cook and his, like you said, his mastermind, his ability to, to strategize against, some also really good strategy coaches in the big 10. What will Russ Rose do with this? Let's watch, you know, yeah. well, um, many of the talented coaches in the big 10, John, you're, you got something to tell us. No, actually I, you know, <laughs> earlier this year, I, I, twice I interviewed a coronavirus researcher and he went on about different strains of coronavirus and all this stuff. And I realized all this stuff's coming at me. And I, my only response to him at one point was, oh, my God, because I had no idea what he was talking about, any idea of what he was saying. And I just hung on. You know, I just kind of hung on through the interview for my brain to, like, kind of calm down a little bit. Uh, I'm, volleyball geeks probably love this stuff. And I'm sure you're <laughs> doing it, which is good. It's good, but I do have a question for you. LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Everybody argues about these people all the time. It's a stupid argument. They're known for like being two players on a team that could take over. So when you let's go back to Wisconsin, you said that this girl from Wisconsin is the best player in the nation. How much impact can a player like that make in volleyball? I mean, can they literally take over a game and and control a court and? you know, just dominate everything or did you just work around her? Well, Dana Rutke is six, eight and she's agile and she digs the ball and she attacks the ball and she moves side to side really well. So she can take over a game, but if I'm arguing against myself, she did not take over the national championship, right? She played Stanford, Wisconsin played Stanford last year and she faded, you know, she was not a significant contributor. She played fine. She played okay. But when they needed to win, right, this is the last game of the season. This is the one you win. She didn't win the game. She didn't win the match. So but that was Stanford and a highly, highly talented Stanford. And nobody to that point had shut her down the way nah, shutdowns too strong. Nobody had um, taken her out of that control. So on the Stat sheet, yes, Dana Retke is a LeBron James and Michael Jordan that could take over the match, but that match last year, she didn't take over. So you can argue it both ways. Most teams, she will take over. I I will say, and this is kind of broader volleyball than narrowing down to, to Dana Retke, um, I I will say, I, I tell people a lot that I think volleyball is is one of the most difficult sports intellectually because on the one hand, you have to have six players who are very good at their particular skill set on the court at any given time. And on the flip side, they have to be very together as a team. I mean, it, there are some similarities to football, uh, you know, because they're, they're, I don't know that there's a sport where the skill set for the different positions is so different as it is for football. Obviously, a center uh, is a very different skill set than playing cornerback. Uh, but on the flip side, Libro is a very different skill set than Setter in, in a certain area. So to that point, uh, it, it's very difficult for one middle to really take over for a team. And I, I will, I will uh, contrast this by talking about uh, Presley. Wasn't that the girl at, at Baylor? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 
she yes, was an yeah, outside. She's, she's, she's an outside. She was, I won't say single-handedly because Baylor's got a very good team, but her presence is a huge part of the reason that Baylor was number one in the country for so much of, of 2019. Um, and it's easier to get balls on offense to the outside for you to terminate and for you to score points that way. Middles, it's harder to get a ball there to run them offensively. But when you've got a six foot eight uh, middle who is like Beth said, she can move. I mean, there are so many things when you think about, you know, I, I'm six foot seven, for example. So I'm, I'm a large human being. She is taller than I am. Um, and when you think of people, male or female, when you get above six, six, you generally, they're generally not the most athletic people. Uh, but Dana moves as well as anybody on the court right now. Um, but if, if you've got a setter, like, like, and it's been long enough, I can't remember what Stanford setter's name was, but she can, she could put the ball in any place she wanted to. You, you absolutely had to be very disciplined as a middle attack, a middle blocker to see where that ball was going to go. And you got Catherine Plummer, you know, putting balls away on the outside. So there were other, there were other things at, play there but I mean Dana can absolutely take over a game when you're dependent on having a I won't say a, a dominant but a, a like Nebraska needs their middles to produce maybe at a higher level than other teams do may, you know but we depend a lot on Lauren and, and whoever the other middle is to score points and to keep the offense uh, dynamic when you've got a 6-8 middle she can take that out real fast I mean she can move like Dana and she's as smart as Dana Redke is um it is a player that can that can take over a team. You know, she again. I, I don't know that you. I would be hard pressed to go back and really find a lot of. There's not going to be a lot of Nebraska volleyball fans who are like pounding on whatever device it is that they use to listen to this. They're trying to get you know, want me to mention you know the Sarah Pavins of the world and some of those former Husker players who have played the front row who blocked and did things really well. But you know. A middle needs support at the pins. You know, the, we we talk about the pins. Those are the the outside hitters that are the left side and the right side. Yeah, you know, out at the antenna. And so I, you know, there you've seen a lot of instances where, despite Dana's size, teams have managed to win around her. Uh, and I think around her is the best. They don't take her out. They just they they avoid her, uh, which is so. so. Somebody like um, you know Lexi's son. She she could take over a match. And she maybe isn't, it's hard to say this because Lexi's son is so physically gifted and so talented and what, she, but technically Dana Rutke is probably better than her, you know, if you compare apples to oranges. But Lexi's son probably has a better chance of taking over the match because she plays outside hitter. She can pass the ball, which is fundamental and it's the beginning of the play and it has to be a quality pass to really have an offensive scheme going on there. And then she is going to get more attempts than anybody else on the court to hit the ball. So if you have more attempts to hit the ball, you have more chances to terminate the ball, which you have more chances to score points for your team. So Lexi Sun, a good outside hitter, a great outside hitter has a better chance than what I'm calling the best player in the country to manage, take over the match. Um, and then the bad news for the Nebraska fans is that Wisconsin has great outside hitters too. So, you know, Dana Rocky is amazing. I'm calling her the best player. She has a, a second middle, um, Danielle Hart, who is also excellent. And then they have two or three excellent outside hitters that would start on most teams in any conference around the country. So Wisconsin has a lot of tools, but if the question is, can she take over like LeBron? 
Probably not. No, it's not the same thing as a basketball player that can take over the match, not a middle hitter um, and not with some of the talented teams around the country. There's a lot of volleyball talent around the country. And so no, Wisconsin can't win with just six, eight Dana Radke. So better player, Lauren Stiverin or Lexi son. Better player, probably Lexi's son, just because she yeah, plays make, all six positions. Better, better at her position, I might, I might have to argue Lauren. Yeah, if this is like gym class and I have to pick, like, <laughs> pick first, I'm pick, picking Lexi's son first because she can pass the ball. You know, she has all of the skills. She's an excellent blocker. But yeah, if you have to talk about which is the best at their specific position, uh, yeah, I agree. Lauren is probably more skilled and has more tools at her position. But I also like what I saw in the first weekend. I saw Lexi Sun do things that were much more broad ranged of skills than I saw in the previous season. She had balls that were not set perfectly, balls that were um, not the greatest situation for her. And she made a kill out of it. She, she made the kill, right? That's the creativity. That's the skill. That's the repetition that an outside hitter has. Uh, and when she gets to the level where she can consistently give you kills, that's what Michaela Fecky did so well, right? No matter what you gave her, she gave you a kill. She made lemonade out of lemons. She made lemonade out of pineapples. She made whatever, <laughs> she gave you a kill. Yeah. And Lexi Sun was able to do that in the match against Indiana. She talked about in one of the press conferences, that's what she worked on over the off season. She worked on creativity she worked on consistency and she worked on being well-rounded, being able to do everything on the court. Uh, if she can do that against the top teams, then, you know, we can have this conversation again and I'll pick Lexi first and then I'll pick Lexi second. Well, and I, I will say um, if I need, if I need a ball to a hitter to just turn the momentum in the match, I want it to Lauren because that ball is, is maybe going to go through the floor and the way that Lauren comes down after she gets the kill and is so fired up and fires the team up, you know, it's kind of some of those immeasurable kind of things. Uh, if, if we're, you know, the other teams run off two or three points uh, as the coach, I'm gonna look at my passion, but like, you better get an absolute dime to Nicklin because we need to run Lauren. Uh, Cause I think Lauren is that one, you know, she's, 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 she gets so fired up, but when she gets that kill, man, and you know, like you guys talked about being there in Devaney, you can just feel the entire arena just, just the energy changes. She she brings this incredible energy to the court. So uh, up to that end, yeah. I mean, both of them have incredible, you know, or incredible skill sets for their position. You know, Beth talked about, you know, with Wisconsin's got four five, four or five hitters who would start for any team in the country. So does Nebraska. I mean, Maddie Kubik is well on her. I mean, is 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 very nicely hasn't completely filled the Michaela Fecky shoes, but you're talking about a kid who's very much in that mold. Uh, you know, uh, and then you talk about Callie or Kalo or even Callen in the middle, um, Jazz and Riley at the right side. You know, you've got a lot of great, you know, high quality players. Maddie Kubik is a, she was a freshman last year, right? She's a sophomore. Yeah, so very young. Yep. Uh, okay. You mentioned a young girl from, or a young woman from Hawaii that has come in and she's a brand new player at the collegiate level, a very high level in the Big Ten. How long we, – we don't have a non-conference season. So, 
I would guess that in a normal year, coaches would move those players into the mix into like, well, the pre-conference or non-conference season to see how lineups, uh, which lineups work best or I, you mentioned also the setters have to work with the upfront hitters. You're not going to have any of this like adjustment period. They're not going to have any time for a younger player to, to get familiar with the, the team they're on. I mean, why can't practice cover that? And why does it have to be a game situation? I think it has to do with the, um, I mean, it's an energy thing. There is no technical reason why it can't. And coaches try to simulate um, game time situations all the time in practice. But there is a different um, enthusiasm, energy, adrenaline that comes at the start of a match. And when you stare across the net, and a lot of times that mental moment is at the service line. And that is really true for this freshman, Akana. You know, she missed a bunch of serves on Friday night against Indiana. And she's a great server, you know, by coach's account and uh, Lauren Cook, the announcer's account. You know, she's a great server, but she missed a bunch of serves and she missed them in the middle of the net, which is, there's no chance. You can't score on a serve that's served in the middle of the net. You can score on a serve that's served out, but they pass it. But um, when she's standing at the end, getting ready to serve, her nerves take over. Her adrenaline takes over, her mental strength isn't there yet. You know, maybe she's thinking about the last pass or whatever. Um, where did I just drop my mask on the sideline? You know, all these things that whatever happens on the court is um, a focused moment is a, um, a trained moment. You know, we know that um, the mental aspect of sports is much bigger than it to be as fans. So does she and everybody need the experience out on the court in game time? Um, but they need to be the pressure situations too. serving against Indiana on the opening season of the big 10 conference is one thing serving in the national championship match is a different thing. And I think usually coach cook will tell us that by the time they get to the tournament, these freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. They've gone through the gauntlet of, and, and they're going to do that this season, but you're right. They didn't have, the the warm-up matches you know I think the Big Ten has been a nice schedule for um, Nebraska at least they played Indiana last weekend Northwestern is is good but they're not a top tier and then they'll play Maryland the weekend after that also not a top team you know they're all bottom half of the Big Ten teams that we started off with so I think that's as good as we could hope for in a season like this. But, you know, we didn't start off at Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State, Purdue, or Michigan State or Michigan. We right. Well, huh? You know, you brought that up. You mentioned the, the girls serving. And I remember this game years ago that Nebraska played, and I think it was long enough ago that it was in the Big 12, where our servers were standing at the end of the line serving, and they literally were Oklahoma students. And I think there were women basketball players standing on the either side of our server screaming in her face and that later do you remember this at all either of you i've, I've heard it mentioned but i don't have a recollection of it you got to remember that almost the entire time nebraska was in the big tw big 12 i lived in colorado and they didn't televise big 12 volleyball in colorado because the buffs weren't good i'm glad you didn't play the youth card there 
<laughs> you know what? I turned 40 this year. I don't think I have the youth card to play anymore. I turned 40 at the end of last year, I guess. I guess we're 2021 is officially going. So I don't think I can play the youth card any longer. Well, you, you can. It's just, you know, in certain company. Fair, <laughs> fair. No, but it was, I, I guess I get it. You know, the nerves take over when you're in a game situation. Well, and it's, you know, it's different when you put that jersey on. You know, there's, there's, there's so many subtle things that change. You know, like at the high school level, a lot of times the last practice before we play, I would put the game net up so that they would, you know, more closely simulate the game situation. Well, it doesn't matter. The next night you come out there and the bleachers are out and the, there's a crowd, whether it be, you know, a COVID adjusted crowd or the full crowd that you get. Um, you're in the jersey. It's got your team name on the front uh, or your team name on the back, whatever it is. There is just a different feel. Um, and game speed, no matter how hard you try and simulate it, game speed is different than practice speed. It's different than scrimmage speed. You know, the red-white scrimmage is fun as heck to watch because they, you know, they usually get one of the student managers out there to really get after because those guys can play ball and jump absolutely out of the gym. Uh, but game speed is different. You know, the the stakes are higher. It just it just feels different. So, you know, yeah, you can, you can go back and forth, up, down and sideways trying to simulate uh, game conditions. You know, we do it at the club where I coach where we scrimmage the other teams, but we look across the court, they're wearing the same shirts that we are. So it's still not the same. You're still competing, but it's still not the same until you get uh, into live game situations. And, and, you know, for some players, it, it, it does raise them another level. You know, they lock in in a different way. But for some players, you know, when you talk about Akana and, and being a freshman, um, the, those first couple matches, you know, maybe it's good that we started at Indiana. A Big Ten road match is still a Big Ten road match. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter uh, where you're playing them. A Big Ten road match is still a high-stakes match. And it's tough for freshmen to, to know what it's like to play on the road in the Big Ten. Except for at Rutgers. Rutgers is just not very good. <laughs> are they are they that bad i don't i think the last year they won a, a big 10 match or two and i think it was the first time in two seasons that they'd won a big 10 match Ouch. i could be wrong about that but i feel like i'm not that far off so okay from a fan's perspective from people who are going to listen to this is there anything else that we need to cover about our beloved husker volleyball team that is going to save Nebraska sports because <laughs> we don't seem to be doing well in most of them. Like I think it's in, I think it's intriguing this year. Um, like most of the fall sports, I think all the fall sports, the seniors have a another year of eligibility. So our seniors are Stiverin's son, um, Densberger. Is that it? I think that is it. Um, I can look because I happen to have the website up, but I, th I believe you're right. So none of them have clearly commented on whether they're going to, but what an interesting thing to play in a season. Jazz is a where, senior too. Jazz Sweet. Jazz, senior yeah, I well. thought Jazz Sweet. So four seniors, all very talented. Um, you know, would they come back for another season? Does it depend on professional contracts and what they're being offered? Uh, does it depend on the national team and if the Olympics are going to get played? Anyways, I think that is really interesting. The mental aspect, like we're talking about, do they know if they're coming back? Do they not know? Just like they're sharing that with us. Um, and if they don't know, how do you approach a season when you don't know if it's your last one in college? or ever, you know, if you're not going to play it professionally. I think that's 
Psychology 101 and uh, super interesting. And then just to know, would these players come back and just Coach Cook have an even bigger problem next year? <laughs> so much talent on the team and he could only play six people at a time. You know, he needs a bigger court with all the talent that he has. But I like that dynamic this season, too. You know, and I think um, to me, the, one of the things that's going to be most intriguing this season is just going to be uh, the bumps in the road for the top teams in the country. I mean, I, I, I would fully anticipate uh, all of the teams having a match where they just don't look like a top team because of the nature of this season, because, you know, you're playing the same team back to back and what Beth was, was talking about earlier, where, you know, maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's Northwestern next weekend, maybe it's Maryland uh, or sorry, Northwestern this weekend, maybe it was Maryland the weekend after where, you know, they throw a lineup at us that, we just weren't ready to handle. So we drop a set. We don't look as good at winning, you know, uh, winning a set or, or, you know, even drop a match. I think, um, you know, the intrigue of these conference only seasons and, and to me looking at then what does the tournament look like? You know, how confident are you in those bubble teams that you put in to the tournament? So I think, you know, to me, it's a, it's a season long thing. I, I more or less feel comfortable knowing what we're going to get out of the girls out of the women, excuse me, that play uh, for the Huskers. I really do, um, you know, but, you know, some of the other teams may be that, that question mark that we play and then, then come, come postseason, come tournament time, what does that look like? You know, and part of that has to do with where we are in COVID vaccinations, what the, the virus's track looks like, uh, you know, because for, for Nebraska, having the national championship in Omaha is always a huge motivator for the team. They want, you know, I mean, it's, I can leave my my basement bar where I'm I'm recording this podcast right now. I can leave my basement bar and get in my car and be at the CHI Health Center in, you know, probably an hour and fifteen minutes. So that's a huge motivator for the girls, you know, playing in in their home state. So, uh, you know, I, I I'm looking more, you know, the bigger picture. It's just going to be really interesting to see what this season shapes up, like how it shakes out, especially with the teams like Beth said that are starting their spring season later because they played a, a truncated fall season. When, when is the uh, NCAA tournament? April. I don't know the dates. In the my the final four is April 22nd and 24th. Um, so then you, maybe they'll go like they have in years past, It'll, you know, the two weeks prior to that, where they'll have, you know, kind of those, those playing games and, you know, two, two matches, uh, on that first weekend and then two matches the next weekend and then the championship weekend. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't see when I looked a bit ago for sure how they're going to do it. And, and it's possible, like, you know, they haven't announced any sites, whether they're going to try and do it all in Nebraska, obviously between facilities in Omaha and potentially Lincoln, we've got plenty of gyms where we could do it. You know, I can think of five right off the top of my head between Creighton, CHI health center, Baxter arena um, in Omaha. And then, both Devaney and PBA here where we could host those matches. Um, and there's one other one in Ralston arena, I think is still exists in Omaha question mark, uh, you know, places where they could host matches that would have, that would have a, you know, a, a, the feel that they want for the tournament, you know, so. Uh, you know, they need to have it in Omaha. The only reason why they wouldn't is because one of the some of those eighty percent old white men on the selection committee will have buddies and 
I don't know, Tallahassee or some bloody place like that that screw Omaha over. When we all know that Omaha hosts incredible events when they put on college events. So, uh, well, or the, you know, we've done the curling trials here. We have the swim trials in Omaha. You know, Omaha puts on a great show for these huge national events. That's why the NCAA loves to come back. Okay. John Cook, if I remember correctly, has advocated that volleyball become a spring sport. Why? And what do you guys think of that? I think he's got good logic. Um, part of it is the TV contracts and the availability of airspace for volleyball to be on. Um, I don't know if this is, you know, this season is completely a test of that since it is unorthodox and, um, but you would get more airtime. You wouldn't have to compete with football. Um, and I think this is his other half of his argument. You would have your athletes on campus longer and able to train in the non-traditional season, lead into your traditional season and, and, and just be better prepared for the season. So I, I think he makes a good argument. Um, I don't know what people are arguing against it, except for that it would be a change. Well, you know, the you know. NCAA is really good at changing, um, <laughs> but well, and, and you know, and, and that's exactly right. I mean, you look at, you know, volleyball and football so often get paired together simply because that is the number one male sport and the number one female sport in this fall season. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of, of reason to move volleyball to the spring, you know, having those, well, I, I don't need to rehash what Beth said. She pretty much hit the nail on the head. But yeah, I mean, Cook has has advocated for it, and I think it would be a, I think it'd be a very wise move. A lot of people love watching volleyball, you know, and they don't even put that much college baseball on TV. Let's be honest. So let's give the volleyball more of an opportunity to be on, not fighting against, you know, FS1 and NBC Sports and ESPN having all of their talking heads talk about the Alabama football game because we just don't care that much. <laughs> okay, is there anything else we haven't hit? Hey, I don't think so. Both both matches this weekend are on NET. There is, there is a heavy, heavy TV schedule for Husker Volleyball this year and changing because as of yesterday at noon, I believe Friday was going to be NET and Saturday was going to be BTN+. Plus. And now they're both on NET. So, uh, you know, Husker sports fans keep up on, you know, keep, keep checking the website, keep checking social media, various social media outlets, because they're, they're changing that. You're going to see a lot of Husker volleyball on TV, great opportunities to watch it. Better announcers than we had for the Indiana matches last weekend. Um, You're supposed to say check corn nation or something. I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and let me just continue to plug and see, how do I end all of my recaps? Uh, CheckCoordination.com for updates. Uh, Husker Sports Network radio stations will carry the games. Uh, always go to coordination.com. You can, you can just get the charm and, and enthusiasm of one John Johnson just oozing from the website. How many things do ooze from the website? John lives in Minnesota. So just, just address your complaints to John Johnson, Minnesota. Believe me, everybody knows him. <laughs> Okay. You know, I, I will say this to people who are paying attention to coordination. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you better be. We're going we're gonna to cover volleyball heavily. My goal when I started this website was to cover all the sports, not just football, just because, uh, well, you know, 
there's a lot of sports and they, and really when you get into them, they're all pretty fun and on their own yep. regards. Yep. I realize that they don't, they don't provide the ego lift that Nebraska football does, but uh, that's kind of lacking some today, these last few years. So maybe you ought to pick up on some other sports like volleyball, where the women just kick ass and they're always one of the top teams in the nation. Yep. So we are going to cover volleyball very heavily and uh, we'll have YouTube back on again for another podcast as I'm the great. season goes on. You guys need to remember this because I am the forgetful old one. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to be real honest. I don't see myself really badgering you to make sure you put me on the podcast. Um, but uh, between the two of us and uh, we've got another person coming online to help us cover Husker volleyball uh, as well. Uh, she's she's uh, played setter for for a few years in high school, and she's going to be a really good, really powerful addition to the team as well. So I, we're looking forward to getting you guys as much volleyball information as we can, let you guys know all the things that we hear. Uh, we'll let you know what we know and even some things that we don't know. But we're I'm going to do my best not to guess. I'll make you that promise. And if the, if the entire tourney ends up in Omaha, I, it'll be a – Oh my God, a hoot nanny. That's what I'm looking um, for. It'll be a hoot nanny, guys. Hoot. John is 98 years old. He's doing remarkably well for his age. Uh, <laughs> we are going to have a hoot nanny. A hoot nanny in Omaha. Down at the corral. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think that's going to do. Say to you, Johnson. I don't. I. I don't know what to say to you. <clears throat> You know, here's the thing. I quit drinking last April, and I haven't had a single drop of alcohol since then. But I really uh, haven't changed that much. <laughs> I, didn't, I could have told you that that wasn't the reason. <laughs> okay. I mean, having hosted you in my home on multiple occasions, I could have told you. But <laughs> we're going we're gonna to wrap it up, and I'm supposed to use a sign-off. Uh and I can't remember what it is. You think I'd write these things down by now? Uh, let's see. Well, there was always something to do with win the damn game. Well, that was Haas. I know. Okay, that's it for the Five Heart Podcast, which is uh, all the heart you need, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, please, please make sure Greg is back next time we do this. <laughs> I hope he is too. <laughs> I can make my own stuff up on my YouTube videos and do fine, you know, and it, I, okay, whatever. Uh, anything from you, Beth? Go big red. There you go. Thank you guys for showing up and uh, thanks everybody for listening and give, give us some feedback. I forgot to plug the phone number that I don't know what it is. Okay. We're out. That's it for this. <laughs> you guys have fun.